Welcome to the Minx and Muse podcast. I'm your host, Crimson Minx, creatrix of Minx and Muse, a dark feminine playhouse where we awaken our innate magic through esoerotic dance and witchcraft. Welcome to the Portal of Enchantment. Welcome, Chosen Eyes, to the Minx and Muse podcast. How are you today? Living the dream, my love. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I've said it before, but you are one of my favorite people to spiritually shoot the shit with. And I'm so grateful that you are willing to take this time to chat with us today. And I am grateful to be had. Thank you. Oh, pleasure is all ours. So for those who are not familiar with you, let us know about Chosen Eyes. Who is Chosen Eyes? What, what, what is it that you express in this world? Chosen Eyes is um, essentially a professional psychic medium who also happens to be a doctor of acupuncture and Eastern medicine, whose job is to empower through compassion while teaching the next generation of unlikely healers. Oh, I love it. So you are an instructor, a teacher, and I know that's where your passion lies. Yep. Most assuredly. And you're also a reader, so you do intuitive readings. So I'm a psychic medium, um, and there is a difference between being a psychic medium versus being a medium and just being psychic, but we can talk about that later. Yes, um, I teach and um, am a practitioner of tarot as well as mirrors, which I know you love when I scry. It's also known as scrying. Um, people normally attribute it to Nostradamus um, and using the black scrying bowl in order to do so. Um, and some, I think it's also part of um, Jewish mysticism so that's usually um and also um, mesoamerica used a lot of black obsidian mirrors so i use black obsidian mirrors but also water in order to scry and use it as a mirror and portal in order to go a bit deeper into the past and a bit further into the future to help people with navigating like what's to come but also helping with past life traumas and um whole self-integration and I've seen you scry into fire and candle wax and That's my all favorite. New that is yeah. my favorite. I'm a well, pyro. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and you're also, like you mentioned, a doctor of acupuncture and, and Chinese herbal medicine. Um, but what I want to speak with you today is the first two things that you just mentioned, because our archetype of the month, we're here in October of 2023. Our archetype of the month at the studio is the spirit whisperer. And you are quite the spirit whisperer. I try. Yeah. So I want, there's so much I want to talk with you about, but the first thing that came to mind was when you were just sharing how you enjoy scrying as a way to receive messages. What is happening when you're scrying? It's a great question. A lot <laughs> and nothing at all. It's kind of like when um, I'm a Midwesterner by birth. So I grew up in a portion of Tornado Alley. Okay. So when you've got these two pressure systems coming together and everything kind of like zins out, like they cancel each other out. So it gets really still before a tornado. There's a sense of like stillness because worlds are kind of colliding internally for me. So it's a very internal process. Um, and I'm very, I'm probably the most present that I ever am. Like being present on this 3D platform that we call Earth is very difficult. It's also because I'm an Aquarius. But <laughs> staying here is hard. 
<laughs> but when I'm scrying, I'm very present. And it's as much as a human can be omnipresent, I'm present with all things. And it's really cool because I'm seeing so many, I'm literally through my third eye seeing past, present, future, but not just for this timeline, multiple timelines. Um, I think the closest movie that kind of comes closest to it would be Interstellar when he got trapped in the fifth dimension. If anybody's ever seen it, and it's kind of like this Fibonacci sequence of like this bookcase that he has in his house. It's kind of like that, but less freaky. <laughs> at, least, at least it's less freaky for me because I'm just used to it. But um, it coupled with if you mesh like the intro to Star Wars and Star Trek, where it's like just the this like all the stars in space. So like you have like this background of background of like stars and like blackness, like the void where everything comes from. And then everything kind of fractals out from there. So when someone's asking me a question or asking me to connect with a a loved one who's transitioned or an ascendant master, I'm starting in the void. And then it zones out from there in terms of like where I need to go. Or if I'm looking at a yes or no question or you know, should I do this kind of question? All possibilities then start lighting up like strings. So yeah, it's a whole thing, but it's also very much, um, it's like literally being in an interactive movie because I'm not just, I personally am like completely immersed in it. So I hear what's happening. I'm smelling what's happening. I'm tasting it. Like it's like real time for me. So I can't speak to other mediums or other psychics, but I will tell you for me, it can get a little draining no matter how much I ground, no matter how much I try to pull back. It's just the way I'm built. And I put that out there because I don't like it when people shame people who are highly intuitive and they're always like, just ground. You got to find a way to ground. Oh, I'm never tired. Like BS. Like <laughs> you're a conduit. You're, you're literally some a battery conduit for spirit to like speak through or a great divine to speak through so like you can't tell me it's not at all draining you know what I mean I know it's a very convoluted answer but I hope it works <laughs> listen I followed you the whole time yes that's true because people think oh you're you're an intuitive so you just naturally can integrate this into your daily life without it affecting you in some kind of way. And it's like, no, it's still a process of work for you. It's still a, an energetic drain on you. So you just can't constantly be immersed in that world. That makes yeah. sense. No, and it's, it's honestly being on the 3D plane for me is more like being at the bottom of a pool. You feel that pressure to like stay. But when I'm there, it's like, oh, okay. Life makes sense now. <laughs> I love this. And so yeah. when you're going into like a scrying process, you have an intention in mind generally, and you're going to mm -hmm. be able to understand the past that has influenced it so far, what's going on in the present, and you see future potentialities, it sounds like. Like when you say timelines, it's just different potentialities, right? Absolutely. Because there's this beautiful portion of life that Taco Bell would call signature recipe known as free will, meaning that I am 88% accurate. I trust me, I trust my gaze, I trust my source, but you are a human and you have autonomy and free will. So the potentialities that Crimson speaking to is depending on what you choose and how you choose to walk your walk, 
this is what I'm getting. And sometimes they overlap and converge enough to where there's enough similarity to where I can be like, the probability or likelihood of this being the way to go. Right? So yes, unfortunately, psychics do use masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and there's also the other people involved in this situation because you could stay on the same path, but if other people use their autonomy yep. and free will to make different yep. decisions, well, that could change the course of, of things as well. So it's it's literally impossible to be impossible to be like this is the absolute inevitable. Ooh. And yeah. I don't always want to be that accurate. I'm going to be very honest. I know you and I have talked about this. I know I say this in classes that I have taught um, at the studio several times, but I don't there because everyone thinks about this work being just rooted solely in love and light, which in and of itself at times can be a little toxic. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Okay. Right. I'm all about love and the light, but like, like positive, like toxic positivity. Okay. Within the spirit world. Let's just, just call it out but um people come to me with some really heavy questions and real life scenarios and i don't want to have to deliver i don't want to say bad news but difficult news or potentially hurtful news because i i can root it in truth but i don't know how this person is necessarily going to take it right like people come to me asking me questions about um that pertain to um, SA, sexual assault, right? Or um, in a session, I have a lot of people who come to me to help with addictions, right? So like, I have to, I, I'm usually someone's litmus test or sounding board for if they are A, moving in, right a in the right action, as they would call it, or they need clarification or verification that what they are intuitively feeling is correct. And who wants to be right about something that's horrific or traumatic for somebody? Right. You know, like I, I don't want to be the, the harbinger of doom. It's like, yeah, you need to go ahead and divorce your spouse. Like this right. is the love of your life of 30 years. Like really? So I, I always make it a point to be as compassionate and as, human as possible um in those sessions or in any session that i have with anyone because it's not when you do the work it's not always about being accurate and from a branding and marketing standpoint trying to garner more business it's you got to move with integrity how would you want to be treated because people are coming to you in the mo most vulnerable state and sometimes desperate state that they could possibly be in they're I don't want to say broken, but they are definitely like coming to you and you got to be very delicate with that. And I don't, I find that that's something that's missing. Like I don't come from, I don't come from this younger generation of readers who started out in social media. Like I started reading in the late, well, I've been a media my entire life, but for profit, I always had to be in person. Right. I started as a teenager and there's a very different type of reading when you're even if it's via Zoom or conference call, when you have to look this person in the eye. It's a whole different reading, you know, it's very different when you can like on Etsy. Pull a card, type something up. Battle through the DMs if you want to, but, you know, it's a little different when this person is sitting right here and you got to stand on what you see. Right. And it's not that you're not going to tell them what you're seeing. It's not that you're going to lie, but there is a level of professionalism that comes with bedside manner that yeah. is important. And also the reminder of one's like internal power. 
the sovereignty we spoke about, but also people's ability to move through some uncomfortable truths. I'm sure that that is what makes you an effective reader is the fact that you can hold the energy, you can process it, but that you can also deliver in a way that doesn't make people feel worse afterwards. It makes them feel like there's an empowered step to take after. I try my best. I'm human. I'm pretty yeah. sure that there's somebody who, who might be listening to this and mumbling <laughs> under the breath. Oh my God, she's the biggest bleep. But you know, but like, I would rather give you a hard truth with a solution. Right. Versus giving you a very sweet, lengthy lie. Right. It's all going to work out. You should definitely get back together with your ex. He's coming back for you. Like, right. Yeah. They love you. They knock you upside the head because that's their mating call. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I have literally heard people say stuff like that. I'm like, are you serious? Well, that's how they show their love. I'm like, okay. And that doesn't mean you're going to sit there and take that crap. So like, yeah, I should receive love. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, let's explore what love is and is not or what it could possibly be moving forward for you. Right. Yeah. Is that what, and that is something to consider is that no one generally goes to see a psychic intuitive when life is dandy. It's usually like a sense of sadness or, or desire or desperation or confusion or frustration. And so there has to be that ability to like also hold energetic and emotional space when people come to you. Yeah. And Therein lies another part of why the work can get a little daunting because you have to be so connected with your inner self to know when it's someone else's shit versus your shit. Yeah. Oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. Uh, we already have. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a little late. My bad. Uh, but whether or not it's yours or, or theirs, right? And so sometimes that overlaps. And I will, I'm not guilty, but I'm being very transparent. There have been several times in a session where I'll pause and the client will be like, is everything okay? I'm like, no, I'm trying to make sure that this is not me projecting into your reading or maybe we're just having a shared experience and I, I'm like mm. able to really like resonate with this. And so usually they like kind of giggle and laugh and I'm like, okay, no, nah, this is you, but I can relate to you. So let me, exp which helps drawing on that humanity, right? Because now I can really explain it to you and let you know from a place of, I genuinely, genuinely understand. So let's find a solution on how do we, move forward because I don't like leaving people like at a cliffhanger and like have fostering codependency. It's gross. Right. If you have to come back to me, if any intuitive or, or spiritual guide says you have to come back to me and, you know, for the next six weeks and for us to be able to, you can always recommend, Hey, I think regularly working with me can really show progress. Here's the homework to do before I see you next, but I would love to walk this path with you, but you have to show up and do the work. And I've noticed as someone who's done a million kajillion readings in my life, the people who were like, I'm going to need you to come back consecutively. And we're doing X, Y, Z to Mm -mm, questionable no. shame no it's gross like i find it to be gross like it's not like even doctor me doesn't even do that you know for me i'm just like you know where to find me if you need me like my job mm -hmm. is is for you not to need me i know that sucks from a like capitalistic standpoint but i can't if i've done my job properly i don't want to be needed like that right you know? or come and back I to me when you're 
Yes, I love that. Come back to me. Here's where I'm leaving things because I have a lot, you know, people that I do readings with. And it's always like when you're ready for the next level, when you have kind of dealt with this and now it's, you know, we're at a new level with it. I'm happy to support you. But it's not just you're not doing the work for them. They still have to do do the work for themselves with the information that you provide. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really unfortunate is that there's that fine line that we always have to like kind of toe, right? Because there's a part of you that needs to eat from this work, right? (laughs) But then there's also making sure that you still have your integrity and that you're not fostering codependency. Which is right. why teaching is some, is a passion of mine. Because if I've taught you, then that means that I don't have to worry about like needing you to come back because I've given you the tools if I've done my job properly. Which also means that one, you trust me, and two, that moving forward, others will trust me too. You know what I mean? And there's not this. Co- it's not a codependency. It's more of a the teacher becomes a student. The student becomes the teacher. I love that. And I do want to get to you being a teacher. But one thing I wanted to circle back to that you had mentioned was this idea of the toxic positivity. And yeah, I know because I am a naturally positive person and, you know, I love me some good love and light. But I love that you said that's not. Uh, an ultimate truth of the reality we live in. So how do you think, what do you think is a good way? When do you think that the positivity becomes toxic? And then what is kind of the reality of what you experience? That's a great question. Um, It becomes toxic when, case in point, when someone is coming to me and they're talking about an illness that they're going through, right? Or I'll even offer myself up as tribute with this one. I personally have navigated health issues for some time. And one of the things that, um, not my spiritual mentor, but a mentor to my mentor mentioned was, well, if you raise your vibration, I mean, you already vibrate high. So perhaps you can raise it a little higher. And I'm like, huh? You know, like this raising your vibration is going to make everything better. And I'm like, but I still have to navigate down here. Like there still has to be a tethering or oh, well, you know, just stay in the light. Like you have a tendency to, you know, be balanced. And sometimes you have to be a little bit more balanced in the light. And I'm like, but life is varying shades of gray. Like I'm all about being positive. I'm an optimistic realist. But come on. Like there are moments where you hear it all the time in mental health settings. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And sometimes in order to get to the light, you got to go through a little bit of the dark right because everything is born from a void of darkness right and so in order for you to have that transmutation energy that flows through you also known as kundalini or also known as chi also known as all these other things right you kind of gotta go through something that's not so bright and cheery and right it's like avoidant it can be very avoidant it can it's like um okay this is how old i am there's a cartoon called Ren and Stimpy, and they had this horrible song called Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. <laughs> I'm older than you, so uh, yes, I'm familiar. 
right? And it's like, happy, happy, joy, joy. Like they literally say that on repeat. And when I hear people, some people, not all people, when I hear people say love and light, a lot of times I see this cult like love and light. And I'm like, <laughs> bruh, it's all right. You can cry. You can say that it's not okay. It's okay. You can, like sometimes I, it's hard for me to discern if they're, if it's a mask or if they, you know what I mean? But people that genuinely and kind of intuitively lean a little or more light leaning, if you will, like who tend to stay more over there. I don't hear them say that. Like it doesn't, it's right. not something that they need to actually like brand themselves with and like this right. mantra that I need to constantly say. Like they just are that and you're naturally drawn toward them. You gravitate toward them. Unfortunately, they tend to get a lot of energetic vampires, right? Same thing with people who tend to say, like, you know, I tend to live in the dark, but that doesn't always mean that they're, like, dark and, like, dank. It usually means that they're they're willing to be more concealed, right? right? So, I tend to play in the gray, but that's just my example in terms of, like, when it can get toxic. Because when you're, when you're, minim, when it be, turns into a minimization of someone else's experience. Ooh, that. Yeah, and I love that you said that you don't have to, don't talk about it, be about it is... So Asher said it, and uh, now we're saying it. The idea that you have to keep pushing that, I feel like evangelizing anything in like a pushy manner versus like share your shared experience and living in your authentic energy is like a little off-putting. So you're right. When someone is actually living love and light, they don't have to say it because you feel it. Um, and when someone's trying to say that your problem is that you no, go ahead. Yeah, say if someone was saying that uh, your 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 health problems is based on your lack of 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 light, you know that's that's suspect. Listen, so, anytime somebody says something like that to you, I'm gonna be the person to say it. Popular, unpopular opinion, but whatever. Um, Crimson knows me. I have a love of learning about cults, so I don't create one. So anybody who says something like that to you, radar. <laughs> or cultish, right? Yes. Because then, of course, the next thing is they're going to say, I have the answers on how you can vibrate up there for all time. Nobody should be vibrating anywhere for all time in one space. That means you're stagnant and you're not living life. Life right. is a spectrum. Life is a spectrum. And you know, we always at Makes Amuse talk about the dark feminine and we talk about the dark feminine so much because we feel like it's something that people avoid and we want to give the value to it just as much as perhaps like the quote unquote light feminine and just as much the feminine and the masculine. Like we always say, we're just representing the feminine because we feel like that it is an undervalued energy within ourselves that people perhaps need a dedicated space to to be able to experience and to call yep. that out within themselves so it's it is it's all about i mean isn't that you said you're you, you shared that you teach tarot and you're 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 a tarot i don't want to say expert but you're pretty expertise at tarot and the whole fool's journey of the whole major arcana is integrating the the light and the dark that's what happens in the judgment card those people in the judgment card are gray then when mm -hmm. when they're emerging they're gray because they've integrated the light and the dark and they've 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 been able to to reconcile both within themselves and that mm -hmm. is spoiler it's the whole point of the fool's journey so <laughs>
Can't just live in one area. But just like when it comes to the major and minor arcana for the feminine archetypes, right? Like you have, in order to get to high priestess, you had to have started at like one of the queens. Right. There's no way that you, you were never the queen of cups having, you know, in, in a particular season. There's no way that you can get to the empress without being the queen of wands and tap it into that, you know, seductress type energy. Like it's a, it's a progression. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that people have a tendency to only want it to be. um, Tarot gets perverted because people use it as a tool to hear what they want to hear. As opposed to using it as a vehicle for understanding yourself and and understanding that just like there's that progression of inner knowledge that's happening throughout the spread. It's a reflection of you and this, the cards that you're getting in this moment for this question or for this particular um, session directly correlate to where you are right now. And so it's just, again, it's a mirror. Bringing it full circle. (laughs) It's just a mirror, right? Um, You asked me a second part to the question and I want to make sure that I... You were asking me, like, when does it get toxic? Oh, I, I was saying, um, when, how, how do you see it? What do you say? But you answered it. You said that you need it to, to balance both. I personally feel like there needs to be a balance, especially like, okay, this is the season of twin flame everything, right? Everybody's on a twin flame journey. Everybody, you see twin flame knowing and coming and to awareness stuff everywhere. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's dope. I personally have had to brush up on it myself. The th- reason I'm bringing that up, though, is that so many people want to come into Twin Flame Union without understanding that coming into Twin Flame Union means that you had to come into the masculine and feminine aspects of yourself first before you try to have this other person make you whole. And you better hope that they've kind of done the same thing. You know, like I've seen I've had quite a few people lately reach out um, about Twin Flame encounters or like, is this my Twin Flame or is this a karmic or is this this? And I'm like... Okay, but run it back. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm like, okay, but run this back. Hmm. In what ways have you integrated and held space for your divine masculine and inner divine feminine as well? Are you Ooh. are you are you are you looking for somebody else to be that for you? Because then you can neglect it yourself and then if it doesn't get nourished, then you can blame someone else or do you need to pull back and blame yourself or hold yourself accountable? Not blame, because blaming doesn't really help. But how do you hold yourself accountable in those situations? So, yeah, when you mentioned about the judgment card, I was like, yeah, that's like the perfect thing. Because it's about the integration of both sides, or, or not even both, all sides, all aspects. Yeah. Your inner judge, your inner divine masculine, divine feminine, um, your personal benevolence. Right, because judgment above a lot, spiritual, earthly planes. Right, and also you've got the depending on the interpretation of the card. Sometimes you'll see angelic um, beings at the top with trumpets, but sometimes you'll see kind of like the pillars of mercy and severity, where there's a black one and a white one. It's the same thing with angelic beings. Sometimes you gotta let your demons fight a battle for you before you let your angels. Just being honest, like everybody, I will be teaching a class on this. We'll talk about this later. But everybody gets so caught up in thinking that fallen angels are useless and are just icky. But they've never stopped being angels. And sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I need my friends who like navigate darker spaces. 
Mm-hmm. To be the plug before some of my friends who have to keep their hands squeaky clean. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, and it's because we're on this complicated earthly plane where the reality is that there is not, we aren't on some ascendant, only high vibration type of situation plane where we're on the earthly plane where there are all intermixed energies and vibrations and there are going to be benevolent and um also perhaps some some less benevolent beings (laughs) absolutely so yeah yeah, i think the other thing too what part of the thing part of what i admire about your work is that you do such a great job of inviting all aspects of femininity into the space like there is no wrong version of femininity um right. in your studio and i've that's something that has definitely helped me along my journey but i've definitely seen where it's helped so many women that i've sent there um to open up and embrace aspects of themselves they didn't even know what they had or that were they were allowed to participate in right i think it goes back to the bypass things and the and that's what a lot of we work on is to release the shame or the self-judgment or the taboos uh, that surround some of the darker feminine aspects of herself so they can integrate. It's all about, it's all about like integration. It's all about non-bypassing and it's all about like experience the whole depth and authenticity of self. So, which is all the spectrum. Yep. Got yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, I love it. And you mentioned before that you are a, psychic medium not a medium and you promised you would tell us the difference and and i would love to hear so not every psychic so psychic means you see the future right so people think precognition right you see the future you see possibilities all the things medium usually means that you are connecting to either an ascendant master or masters uh, but you're crossing the veil and connecting with those who have either trans. Mm passed on or are beings from sometimes from um another space-time continuum but not every medium can see the future and not every psychic is a medium is able to channel ah okay i totally get this now okay so So it's almost like like you're you're double time hashtag overachiever so Uh... i don't know (laughs) what soul contract i signed up for when i came down here but i'm like yeah this is tired not tired but you know there's a lot happening but yeah so i always made the distinction because sometimes in in teaching people how to navigate and hone in on their gifts i've seen where people have literally felt like they were less than because they couldn't see into the future but they could hear you know the more clear audience as mediums and i'm like that's your gift like stop minimizing it that's a huge thing apologies there's ems yeah I pray everybody's all right. Um, But, and then I've also seen where people who can see the future but can't connect to an ascendant master or a loved one for someone, they feel less than because they feel like they're supposed to be able to do both. And I'm like, don't do that to yourself. That's a lot of pressure. And honestly, everybody wants the achievement until they got to maintain it. So I'm just like, (laughs) before you start working with me, I will always say like, Okay, you sure? Because once you once you open up 
it's not you can't really shut down you can't really unknow a thing right you took the pill you blue pill so yeah well and so why don't you share with us what that's like because you've had both of these abilities i believe since you were a child and so what has Mm -hmm. it what did it look like to you and then how do you have to maintain it i'm assuming you don't wake up every morning and you're just like flooded with having to see a bunch of uh of spirits and hopefully you've learned to control that a little bit so the word control <laughs> it's more of a navigation here's what i mean by that for me personally everybody has their own experience i'm i'm no guru in that regard i'm just saying this is mine how it started as a kid, I didn't realize I was any different from anyone else until I went. I started kindergarten. And I started, like, seeing people, like, people who had transitioned, who used to work at the schools, a private school and all this stuff. And, like, the teachers were getting freaked out because they're like, there's no way you know that person. He was here talking. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Right? Um, my uncle told me yesterday I was a creepy kid, by the way. But, <laughs> um... For me, it it literally is like how I see you. I see people who have transitioned like in real time, how I'm looking at somebody who's on our side of the veil. Everything has, everything has resonance and vibration. So I can tell who's from this side because this side or this, our string vibrates and resonates in a very specific way. And other strings and other opportunity op- options, if you will, have their own vibration and resonance. So I can distinguish that way. And then it's the same thing for emotions. Like anger vibrates very differently than happiness, than disappointment, than some other things too. You know what I mean? So that's how I'm able to kind of navigate. Uh, fun fact, I do wake up and I normally see at least two people at my bed. Um, Who are so- they? Who are these people? Uh, sometimes it's, um, but my grandfather has been around a lot lately. Um, and so him and then some other people that I, usually it's like a message for a friend or for somebody else. Or if I have a client scheduled that day, a lot of times, like if somebody needs to give them a message, they'll kind of come in early and be like, Hey, how's it going? So (laughs) I may not be able to join the meeting, but could you drop this in? (laughs) So, yeah. Like, I'm not on the clock yet. Hello. <laughs> but I'm never really off the clock. So then there's that, right? Um, mm. My mom, I think my mom has a harder time because she, um, she's in LA in an older building. And so she hears a lot in her sleep. And fun fact, if you're experiencing that when it's time for you to go to sleep, you don't really get restful sleep and you feel as if your mind is still running. A lot of times spirits will like to talk to you during that period because it's when you're most open mm-hmm. subconsciously. And so they're just, that's when they kind of want to come and talk to you because your defenses are down. It's not that, usually it's not that they're trying to arm you, but if somebody's got a message to give you, they want to plant it during a time when you're least likely to like try to drown it out with music or a podcast or some other activity. You know what I mean? So... I'm just putting that out there as a helpful tip for people who feel like they're coming into a spiritual knowing and are wondering, like, why am I not sleeping? Especially when the veil is at its thinnest during transition months, so fall and spring. It happens a lot. Wow. So right now you're experiencing a lot of activity. 
Yeah, so on the 3D, I tend to balance that out by being very quiet and intentional in my home. So, like, as much as I love music, I'm very specific and strategic at, like, what type of music I listen to right during this time. Or usually, like, in my office, it's always very really quiet. Um, so I try to find moments where um, I cannot be bombarded or overstimulated. Um, hydration is key. Water is a huge conduit, but it also lubricates everything that you need in order to kind of not only stay grounded, but um, if you are needing to tune in and hear your intuition more, it amplifies sound. So the more you hydrate, the more that will help. Um, and then also, I personally find that I am in my cozy season, not just because it's fall, but um, I'm just, I'm embracing being in a softer phase of my life. Anybody who knows me knows that my husband's nickname for me is the general. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not, I'm, I'm assertive, I'll limit that. But it's more because I'm usually very task oriented and asserting myself. Like my mid heaven is Virgo. Okay. So there's that. You get shit um, done. Yeah, I get shit done and I get it done well. But in this new phase of life, I'm having to embrace letting others kind of navigate for me. I can delegate a little bit, but I'm learning to delegate. I'm learning that less is more. Like my wardrobe normally reflects that, but in terms of action, I'm learning that less is more. Um, and just allowing myself to feel the feelings. I, I'm i not a person who, I'm not devoid of feelings or emotions. I definitely feel things very passionately. But one of the things that happens in doing this work is that you are so called to help everyone else navigate their feelings, their emotions, and understand them that you forget that you need that too. Mm -hmm. And so I will say to anybody who does any type of spiritual work and holds space for anybody, don't forget to include yourself in the equation because over time, you can psych yourself out without recognizing that you deserve to hold space. You deserve to... Hold space for yourself, but also to allow others to hold space for you. One of my friends recently told me that I am an amazing friend for showing up and being there and doing all the things outwardly, but that I suck in friendship because I don't let my friends do the same for me. And mm. it it really woke me up because I was just like, I never thought about it like that because you're socialized to believe that giving and always showing up and like the output shows you that you're a good friend, but mm. no one ever teaches you that reception of the, right. of the same thing it's just as important and so we know we always say that in spiritual work you know as above so below what you put out you get back what you what you sell i'm learning that within my friendships now so there's a lot of people that i'm having to let do for me i'm not saying that i'm acing this right now i probably got like a b minus but <laughs> i'm so happy to hear that though because it, burnout is real and De depleting oneself and we were talking about the battery metaphor mm -hmm. before so absolutely yeah. So, yeah yeah and then so you know we mentioned we're in october you mentioned that the veil is thin so the last thing i just wanted to quickly chat with you about is the we're doing a workshop with you and this is our multiverse only workshop uh next week and it is around the topic of death and I would love just like a sneak little 
preview or quip about really the importance of being able to perceive death as part of a natural process and something that is unavoidable and perhaps like how those on the spiritual path can change perceptions around the idea of death yeah um fun fact through most of my life i was terrified of the concept of death being a psychic medium i was terrified Which is even weird though, like, you're like i see them <laughs> right because well because the way i was socialized was that mm, by some not all my grandmother had um and myself i also crossed over as a, a kid but she Wait, always what? said it's just I crossed over as a kid. I had a, a death experience, near death experience. What? I, um, I didn't know that. I was, um, well, I was born with a veil first off, but the other part was I, um, my mom says it was probably RSV, the upper respiratory or respiratory infection, yeah. but they, it was eighties. Nobody knew what it was called then. Right. <laughs> so I got really sick and I remember looking at, I was in my family home. And I remember laying, like, looking around and feeling really hot in my bed. So I was like three, maybe four. I remember feeling really hot in my bed, and then I closed my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I was standing next to, I was standing at the other end of the hallway, looking at myself in my bed. And I was looking up, and there was this being who was like, and like, I can't describe how like white their garb was, but it was like brilliantly so, just like, and. Hair was kind of similar to mine, and he was like kind of actually my dad's complexion. So my dad's pretty chocolate, right? But he's tall, super tall. And he's holding my hand, right? Or they're holding my hand. And I looked up and I said, "Is that me?" And they like had this really comforting smile, and they nodded and like, "Yes, little one, that's you." And I was just like, "Well, is it time for me to go?" And they had like this. Their laugh was like thunder, okay? But it was like this rumble, and they were just like, "No, you have so much more to do," <laughs> like. Okay, I said, well, I need to go tell my mommy I have to go. Even like kids, I remember being like, I have to tell my mommy, right? So we walked to the, or it feels like we teleported to the family room where everybody's watching TV and our family dog starts, like runs over to me and starts growling at the beam, but like going crazy. Like, and my grandfather kept telling the dog, shut up, dog, shut up, what's wrong with you? And my mom was like, what's wrong? Like, why is the dog going crazy? So when... I told this story to them when I was younger. Well, when I, hold on, let me go back. The dog, I pat, I patted our dog and I said, it's okay. I'm going back to my room now. And then she calmed down. So then I went back to my room and, um, and I laid down and I said, is it okay for me to stay here? And they were just like, we wouldn't have it any other way. Get ready. Right. And I woke up and I was at the hospital. So, (laughs) so when I told my family this story, all of them had like mouths agape. And my grandfather goes, I remember that night. It was, he goes, I don't remember. He goes, I just remember the dog going crazy and just being like so concerned. Like it, he goes, it didn't feel like something was, it didn't feel like the dog was just barking just to be annoying. It felt like, like, cause she didn't go. It wasn't like she ran to the door and was like barking at somebody. She was like right at the threshold where I was. So that being said, even though, I never heard that story. I would feel like I would start every conversation with every human that I met with that story if that happened to me, but go on. <laughs> I had a similar experience too, but like even knowing that 
there were some indoctrinations in my life where people made death to, out to be this very finite thing, right? And so the concept of ceasing to exist terrified me for the longest until the pandemic helped me to realize, one, it's a transition from one plane of existence to another, but also I watched the death of a lot of people's egos. I watched the death of a lot of people's preconceived notions of who they thought they were, who their spouses were. So I saw a lot of breakups, admittedly profited from a lot of it. <laughs> Right. I saw, but I saw the death and rebirth of my own brand in some regards. I saw the death and rebirth within my child. Like, so it, once I come to realize that it's really a series of transitions that we're always participating in, I wanted people to realize that it doesn't need to be this horrible, like this horrid thing or this terrible thing. It needs to be respected as something as part of the journey. Cause if you're not dying on some levels, Especially are, you even as the, living? are you even living, right? And especially as, as you know, feminines who have uterus attachments, right? Like gynecological attachments here. Like medically speaking, if you're not shedding that lining, then there's, there's an issue. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of it lets us know that if something's not dying off, then something else can't come in to be reborn to replace that energy. So it's a fluid symbiotic relationship. So part of this class is going to be in teaching people to, or participants, to recognize where death has begat new life and how leaning into what's seemingly dark and scary has actually been one of the best things that could have possibly happened for them. Like even with me navigating my health stuff right now, it's one. Of, it's been one of the most beautiful and transformative things that I've undergone because it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to gift myself, which is the gift to be human. Right. Oh so, my gosh. I, I'm so looking forward to this workshop. And, you know, you hear so many people who have close to near to death experiences or have crossed over and come back. And every single one of them is saying, yeah, what that was a that was a sign. <laughs> yeah, um, but they have said what a beautiful experience it is, and like a lot of people don't want to come back. And so when you just hear those stories, write that in there. I'm like, all right, well, calm your nerves a little bit. It's not to say that there's not a grieving process and that it's bad to be scared of death. Or that's not what we're saying at all. But I love no. the perspective you bring to it, and I do feel like the next few years are bringing a lot of death experiences and not just human you know final no death but i think just in the life process and i we we were talking about that the other day that oh, astrologically we have some some chaos coming up and just the idea that we can't cling to a certain reality and that we have to be fluid to to death and rebirth in a lot of areas in our life so yeah, who you thought like who you thought you were five minutes ago shouldn't be in some ways who you are five minutes from now, right? Like my grandmother is my best friend, as you know, um, is has always told me that if you're not reinventing yourself, then you're not living. And oh. part of reinventing yourself is the death process, because in reinventing yourself, you're saying that 
eh, this doesn't serve me anymore. This doesn't work anymore. But I can take what does work with me. Because when you transition to the ancestral plane, your soul has accumulated so much knowledge from being down here that you're taking that with you. When everybody's like, you can't take it with you, Mm, you can take experiences with you. You can't take, you can't take, you know, I have talked to the Egyptians and some other, you know, um, civilizations, but you can't take the gold. You can't take like, like a lot of that, but the experiences and the lessons. So that way, should you choose to be reincarnated, you got some. You got a, a blueprint, right? So there are some things you are able to take with you. They just aren't usually very tactile, physical. Tangible. Yeah, right. It's so true. Well, our multiverse members look forward to this. But oh, it, it, yes, let's shows and eyes. You know, I could talk to you all day, but Thanks. to respect your time. <laughs> Let's, speaking about transitioning, let's transition into the final questions that we ask all of our guests. So let's do it. Let's do it. First one, what is your personal mantra or source of daily inspiration? Only way forward is through. And oh. I know that that definitely feeds into the general nickname that my spouse has given me, but hear me out. There actually is a lot of wiggle room, not wiggle room. There's a lot of softness in that too. Because sometimes the only way forward is for you to lay down. Sometimes the only way forward is for you to do nothing. Right? But you have to go through the nothingness in order to be able to see what needs to happen. So sometimes only way forward doesn't always mean physically having momentum or inertia going forward. It means you have to go through that which terrifies you and does not always make you feel comfortable in order to be able to transmute and transform i love that i literally uploaded a video on instagram yesterday about moving through fear and beyond your comfort zone and i filmed it live because i was saying i am completely fearful of doing a live recording and then just uploading it unedited and flawed and illustrated the point that I'm going to show up and do this because the the only way through fear is through the only way to make it to the other side. So I, it's so funny. We were just talking about that on our socials. So Mm -hmm. it's, 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 yeah, (laughs) my psychic sis, we're connected. Okay. So Next, what is your favorite sensuous indulgence? Oh, I'm a pyro. So anything that burns. Uh, incense, candles, um, burning oils, fire. Yeah, anything that burns. Um, but also, I love massage. I love being caressed and like massaged. Like That is definitely something that is a love language for me because I spend so much time in my head that sometimes I need a little help getting back into my body. And so massage definitely helps with that. So, and then fire with massage. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Look out. I always bring this up when people talk about massage, uh, but you know, Edgar Casey, the, the sleeping mm-hmm. prophet. And I just bring mm-hmm. him up because we've also been talking about prophetic things today, but that was when he, he, he was a someone that they would, he would go into a sleep state and then give a lot of medical advice as well. Mm -hmm. And when it came to the medical advice, when he, he had said, 
while under his, his trance state that massage is one of the best things humans can do to maintain their health. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that because we think it's this indulgent spa treatment and it's like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. this is maintaining your health. Because you need, everybody needs to be touched. Like physical touch is an important part of human existence. Right. And we live in such a bento box life where we compartmentalize everything and touch is only relegated for this particular time with these people, which don't get me wrong, protect your energy. But, mm-hmm. and with that, yeah. So hugging your friends is important. We saw that during the pandemic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know. Oh, that's a good point. So yes, get those massages, friends. Yeah. <laughs> and then final is what does living fully in your power as a witch look like to you? <sighs> It's funny, I've been thinking about this because of the new, not direction, but some of the new courses I'm going to be offering. Um, How do I articulate this? Not being, not being bound to anyone's perceptions of who I'm supposed to be Um, or what I'm supposed to offer. Like what Chosen Eyes offered, that's great. I still stand by who I was in the moments that I offered those, but get ready for the new shit. There's some shit like you didn't know anything about a near death or a death crossover experience. Like you're going to hear more stuff about (laughs) stuff like that. Right. Um, And not binding myself, like allowing myself like freedom, but being responsible and moving in integrity with the grace that I'm given. I don't take what I do lightly. And I respect that I've been chosen to, be the person behind the people. And so it's not my job to read for everybody or to do all the spell work or candle. It's not my job to do it all, but it is my job to make sure that the next generation who will take over those spots have a firm foundation. And I'm good with that. Yes. Oh, I love that answer. That's it's, it's such a, it's such a conscious response. So thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, Chosen Eyes, I want to promote that for people to follow you on Instagram, Chosen Eyes 9, because I know that you always have a lot going on and this could be a good time to invest in a reading because that veil's be thinning. Yes. (laughs) And you are always teaching a variety of classes and workshops. So go check out Chosen Eyes on Instagram, Chosen Eyes 9. And if you're in the multiverse, you're going to see her next week. Yay. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely adore you. Uh, I adore you. Thank you, Chosen Eyes. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Minx and Muse podcast. You can find show notes and learn more about the studio at www.minxandmuse.com. As a reminder, it is our birthright to transform, expand, and safely exist as sensual, conscious, and empowered creatures. I'll see you next time.